Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. We are back on a Monday once again after Columbus Day. This is Slow Your Roll, and my goodness, we have a lot to get to today. There's a a lot on the slate today, Jesse. Yes, it's it's a long one. It's good to be back on a Monday, though. The Tuesday ones, I I like being here right after the NFL games all finish up. I know we missed the Monday one, but whatever. We know who's winning tonight, so... We, it's we, gonna be the Bills. Hey, you know the last time you said that the Ravens I know, I beat was, the Ravens. I was wrong. But. <laughs> you were wrong. But it's, it's great. It's great to be back here um, after another Tuesday edition last week after Columbus Day and all that. So, what is that smile about? Nothing. Why, Looking at myself in the camera. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought, I thought it was about a Columbus thing because <laughs> it's not supposed to be that. Oh, anymore. Tom, your mic. Oh no, my mic. Anyway, you know what? Whatever you think about. Columbus's moral compass. Don't, I don't care. You see just what I did on. there? Just move on. Oh, <laughs> compass. Dude had guts, though. Anyway. Going across the ocean to where they think there's sea monsters and mermaids and all that crap. Right. <laughs> Good job finding Puerto Rico. All right. All right. We are ready to go. All right. Jesse. Me. Actually, no, before we go that. We're going to talk Dallas, New England, that crazy one. Tua in Miami after losing to the Jags and Urban Meyer. Looks like Urban can actually coach. He might not be great on some other things, but it looks like he can coach. Uh, The Red Sox advancing on and now splitting the first two against Houston in Houston. Going back home to Fenway for three. We will preview uh, the next three games and what the last two looked like and everything that we think. Dodgers move on on the check swing heard around the world. We'll get into that. The Braves and Dodgers after that. Bruins season opener. And uh, last night, the great game that was Uh Seattle and Pittsburgh. Oh, my goodness. To anyone who went to bed, you missed a grade A comedy act. That was great. And then our weekly Tommy Report and Darwin Award, as always. Jesse, I will turn it over to you now. Get us started. Thank you, Dom. Uh, Well... We may have mentioned, we recently went on a, a trip in this show. Uh, mentioned it kind of a lot. Heck, my last rant had to do with that trip. It's almost like I enjoyed that trip. Uh, well, here's another one. So actually, little just a little story time for a second. On that trip, you know, we drove. We drove to Louisville, Kentucky, and we went through Pennsylvania. We went through Ohio, and we noticed on Ohio, in, or in Ohio, we're going to go right by um, Canton. Uh got something <laughs> uh but yeah on our little trip we're gonna go right by canton ohio what's in canton ohio we're sports fans the pro football hall of fame is in canton ohio uh so we're like hey why not i just on the trip so we can break up the monotony of driving uh let's go to the pro football hall of fame that's that's exciting go to a hall of fame uh, i have actually never been to any of the hall of fames yet i had the option to go to the hockey hall of fame when i was in toronto as a kid and i was really excited to do that come day the day to do it i said no i have no idea why oh i said no to that so i didn't this is the first hall of fame i've I've driven by the basketball hall of fame that's in springfield but i was very excited to go to a hall of fame i get there you you see the football field in the back it looks really cool uh the building's all nice it's just another like little football field right out in front i'm like oh yeah it's gonna be activities and stuff like that and things to do i get in uh, we immediately just, you know, this is like, it's, you know, it's built like a route. 
as it should be. Not like a football route, but as just saying, you follow the route and you'll you'll hit all the stuff. You won't miss. You'll pretty much hit everything. We follow the route. We get the history part. You're looking at back at all the old stuff. Uh, and the whole time I'm thinking, oh man, can't wait to kick a football. Can't wait to throw a football. Oh man, I'm gonna show up all these people. I'm gonna kick it so far. <laughs> Um, just going and going and going, seeing Super Bowl rings, all this every, you know, get to see all something from every Super Bowl. Uh, they had it like a draft room where they had like all the cards of the recent draft. I saw Tom Brady's 199th draft pick from way back when. Um, that was kind of cool. Uh, you know, jerseys everywhere and stuff like that, and old helmets and yada yada yada. The crap I expected. Uh, you get to the buff, the 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 bus room, excuse me, with all the heads. It's really creepy and dark in there. Uh, saw some cool ones. I saw Randy Moss. Uh, that was cool. Ed Reed. Ed Reed's was the coolest because I was like, man, that's Ed Reed. Looked at it, and I was like, that could be Ed Reed. Uh, Just why does he gray all of a sudden? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but guess what? And then hey, we got to play Madden. We got to play thirty seconds of Madden. <laughs> And then you can replay that. That's 30 seconds. You can replay the last play of a game, basically, in Madden. That sucked. Uh, and all this other stuff. And the whole time, we get to the end, and I'm like, wait a minute. When do I get to kick the football? When do I get to throw the football? What do you mean? This is over? What the hell? This is the gift shop. That means it's over. Like, not only that, where's all the Patriots stuff? They just had, like, a little shelf. No jerseys. You can get like a blanket for like sixty dollars. I think the sweatshirt was eighty. Wasn't it eighty dollars? I, I think it was. Something it was like that. His, that might have been a gross exaggeration, but like this sweatshirt I'm wearing right now, if you see in the video, you can check that out on our Instagram. It says NASA. It's a kind of nice sweatshirt. It's very comfortable. Thirty bucks. But the Pro Football Hall of Fame says na na na. Maybe eighty. The blanket might have been 80 and the sweatshirt might have been 60 Still, $60! Anyway. But yeah, I never got to kick the football, guys. Mm-hmm. I never got to even throw a football. You mean to tell me, at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I didn't get to throw a football? Hey, I guess I could have in the gift shop, but then they would have asked me to leave. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you have a... F- Heck, you know what I also didn't get to see? I was just about to say, are you going to mention the fact that there's no view of the field from the building? Yeah, yeah, that's, that big field I saw in the back, I was like, ooh, I want to look at that. Yeah, that stadium to... in the back looks, like, really legit. Yeah. Like, it's beautiful. Yeah. And you can't it, see it from anywhere in the pro football building. And it's pint size and, like, adorable, but, like, still really nice. Yeah. And I didn't get to see it. Didn't even get a look at it. No. I mean, you can kind of look at it outside. Oh, yeah. those are, I see the lights up there. Mm-hmm. That's about it. But, yeah. There's no actual activities to do. I know I didn't go, but I know for a fact in the NHL Hall of Fame, they let you shoot a puck. You can pick up a stick and shoot a puck. I know that. They told me. I could have done it myself, but I didn't. I mean, yeah. It's a museum with a whole bunch of just looking at pictures it's also, posted on a wall and reading. It's also a boring... Yeah, it's a boring museum. Some of the parts were pretty cool. Like, I can measure my hand to, like, some of the players... Um, I like. I thought some of the like the record and the jerseys and the draft cards were better than any of the history stuff, and definitely better than the room with yeah. the actual players. Yo, I took two pictures 
I took one of Tom Brady's draft card and Mac Jones's draft card. And I didn't even save them. I put them on Snapchat and then moved on. Didn't save them. So, Pro Football Hall of Fame, technically zero pictures. Yeah. Because uh, there was nothing really worth taking a picture of. I could take a picture of the million things about that Super Bowl, the, the Patriots lost, the first one they lost to the Giants. I do believe that was 42. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much stuff about that Super Bowl. <laughs> Don't want to really take pictures of that. Uh, heck, they even have the refs jersey from that Super Bowl in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I was like, why do you have this? Um, I don't remember why they had it. I didn't read it. Mm. Um, but yeah, it it we were also there for what? An hour? Yeah, it was quick. Hour and a half? It, it was, wasn't much to see. Yeah, it was it was quick. It was not the best uh, the best of the Hall of Fame. I thought there was going to be, you know, the bus everywhere, the heads everywhere, and I'm going to read up about <laughs> all of them. No, it's just there's a big room, a big creepy room where they're yeah. all looking at you yeah, like that's, it's a yeah, horror yeah, movie. You know, that's a good point, actually. They're, even by the bus heads and stuff, there's not actually anything to read. The, the, the names. You can read the names. Yeah, that is it. That's a good point. The Pro Baseball Hall of Fame, you have an entire plaque with like yeah, stuff about the their, player. Their history, records, or yeah. numbers. Their or, great yeah. deeds. Plus, it's a beautiful, it's just a beautiful room, too, that those ones are in. I bet it is. The Pro Football Hall of Fame one, it's like creepy and dark. Yeah, and they're all just staring <laughs> at you like it's the, the room of faces or whatever in Game of Thrones. Um, and yeah, and then we went out across the street and got pizza and the pizza sucked too um <laughs> didn't even eat there cause like actually yeah another thing the food there is like here's the thing you have access to, you have like a cafeteria it's so small this is the pro football hall of fame it was a small cafeteria alright alright uh, right. if you're gonna go then, after you're gonna go after the place's food you're going too far we you're, didn't, we you're, didn't, you're acting like you have a well, real axe to grind we didn't eat the food but like it was like, hey, you have this small option certain times of the day or something like that. I don't even know. It was like, what the hell? Like, we're just going to go somewhere else to get food. Then well, we got, that was a COVID thing. Then we got crap. It could have been. Yeah. And heck, we barely glanced at it and moved on. So like, yeah. You know what? Pro Football Hall of Fame. <laughs> Let me kick a football. Let me throw a football. Like, come on. <laughs> All right. We can move on. Pro Football Hall of Fame sucks. It does. It, it, it did. It did. All right. <laughs> From that, guys, we will be going to rapid-fire news real quick. So the Red Sox, obviously, everyone knows they moved on. Also, 1-1 one and one so far in the first two games against Houston, losing 5-4 to four in the first one. Chris Sale had to, you know, battle his way through three innings, I think it was. He, he wasn't as disastrous as the first outing, but he no. was not sharp. Uh, and then on the strength of two grand slams in game two, it's kind of a must-win, 9-5. The Sox took it. J.D. got him started in the first inning. They never looked back after J.D. took a fastball on the outer half of the plate and just did what he does. That opposite field power flipped it over the right field wall to give the Sox the 4-0 lead. And other news for baseball, the Braves take the first two games in Atlanta, the team of destiny in the National League. I'm starting to call them after that craziness of a year. On the strength of two walk-off hits, Austin Riley a walk-off single in Game 1. Ozzy Albies with a walk-off hit as well in the last game. After the Braves trailed by two runs at two different points in that game, too. They continued to come back and then take that one. 
Uh, some quick NFL scores from some some bigger games. Arizona taking down Cleveland, thirty-seven to fourteen. I think Jesse. Yes. Wait, I mean, we didn't say they were a bad team or anything like that, but we were wondering, like, maybe is this going to last? They they look really legit. Actually, yeah, I was surprised you actually didn't want to talk about this game, partly because you love to talk about Cleveland also, and they are also not as well we thought they might be uh, at the beginning oh, of the I, season. I would love to talk about them if we have time. Um, we just might not have time. Uh, well, I thought about it's them. pretty full. But, like, yes, yes no, the Cardinals are. We thought they were going to be good. And like the worst, but the, we thought they were going to be the worst team in a great division. Yes, and they are the best team in a pretty good division. I think this is another nail in Baker Mayfield's coffin too, because he struggled again. And I was like, yeah, you know, he's not going to be worth the quarterback market money, but I'd pay him twenty three, twenty four. I don't even know if I'd pay him that right now. He kind of looks like he's regressing a little bit. Too many commercials. Too many, maybe. Anyway, Murray had four touchdown passes. Baltimore took down the Chargers. I don't make much of that game. I feel like the Chargers have played a really tough schedule, and they were due for a, a, like a bad showing. It was a terrible showing. I think it was just yeah, one of those games. Yeah, but they had one like two weeks ago. Against? They just, I, I don't remember, but I just remember them crapping the bed against someone I thought they should beat. They just like The Cowboys game? Probably. Yeah, but it was still a close game. This this was just a, this was a put a line through a game. I don't sure. know what a, Lamar threw two picks even too, and it's like Baltimore you know, still won thirty-four one of those to six. Picks, when they did the back-to-back picks, I was dying laughing when Lamar threw it right to the defender. I was like, "What is that?" Yeah. Anyway, also the Jags, Urban Meyer, his first win. The Jags snapped Woo. a crazy losing streak, taking down Miami. It looks like the return of Tua didn't make a single bit of difference. Twenty-three twenty, the Jags take it, and a wild one, Dallas. Takes down our New England Patriots in overtime, 35-29. to Obviously, we'll have plenty to talk about uh, in that in a few. Also, in the world of college football, LSU has decided to, well, the two sides mutually have decided to part ways at Ogeron and LSU at the end of the season. Obviously, that's just the way that they say it. We all know that Ed L was going to get fired. <laughs> But, you know, he did win a championship two years ago, so they wanted to be nicer about it. Also, the USC head coaching job still up for grabs, starting to get even bigger and look like some names that are zooming in. James Franklin over there in Penn State, who has a top 10 team, 5-1 and one on the season. And Luke Fickle right now, who is taking the Cincinnati Bearcats on the verge of a playoff spot, maybe, in the college football. Let's see how that pans out the rest of the season, but an amazing job over there by Fickle, and the USC head coaching hire is uh, is heating up. We'll see how that goes down the stretch. So that has been rapid fire news for you guys, and we that will take us directly into our next segment, talking about the Dallas and Pats game. Jesse, get us started here on this one. All right, uh, thank you. Uh, that game yesterday. <coughs> Uh, going into overtime, and yeah, even before overtime, just the last, the waning minutes, no matter who lost that game, that was a heartbreaker. Uh, sadly, the Pats ended up on the bottom of it. He said 35-29. Um, but realistically, you could say, I mean, I said this last time when we were talking about it, uh, Dallas should have won that game, but at the same time, the Patriots should have won that game. Uh, because both teams had a chance to close it out. Both teams should have closed it out and failed miserably at it. Um, both teams tried to give the game away. Uh, it was a 
wild finish. Um, you know, when when Mac Jones threw that pick six, which, like, the throw wasn't great. It was still kind of a catchable ball. Um, but the biggest thing was the, pl- the play call in that situation. It had me scratching my head, and I was like, why did you pass it there? Third down, I kind of get it. Like, you still, you need to get at least a first down there for that drive to matter and kill enough clock. But, like, why did you pass it on second down? Um, but to be honest, I, I overall, I still liked how Mac Jones looked. Damien Harris ran for the, maybe his best game since week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that offensive line still... <coughs> uh, yeah. It's still not good. Did Trent Brown play this game? I don't think he did. No, I don't think he did. Good Lord. Um, also, what surprised me this morning... I didn't uh, look at the stats aside when I looked at it this morning. Um, Kendrick Warren had that huge play. That was his only catch. Oh, wow. You're right. Yeah. Um, you know, Jacoby Myers had five catches. Uh, then it was a running game. Stevenson had three catches. And then just like uh, Aguilar had a catch. Yeah, we finally saw Stevenson. Yeah, and he, he was, oh, he was all right. I mean, he had uh, five carries, 23 yards. It's an average of 4.6 yards a carry. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, the running, yeah, the running game was pretty good. Um, Mac Jones looked pretty good. He kind of there was a couple drives where the just offense disappeared. Um, mm. But I mean, you you that's the most points you put up all season, I believe. You almost put up thirty. Um, you should have won that game. Probably. But, all right. That defense is still sus. It is, but this is also maybe. I mean. With Tampa, like, the most talented offense in the NFL. But we looked so much better against Tampa, the defense. I know. I know. I wonder if some of that had to do with, you know. Weather? Weather, Belichick knows Tom. Also. Okay, sure. Pressure. So. Well, like, we could not stop their running game. No, we could not stop anything. They did almost anything they want. They kind of just shot themselves in the foot a lot. Oh, yeah, Both teams did. I it thought, was penalties. It was a lot of penalties in that game. I don't know what you're taking out of that game for New England. I know you're probably going to disagree with me on this. I have a lot to take out of that game from Dallas. My usual things to take out of that game from New England is... Pats. It's still the same problem. It's been the same problem for three years, four years now. You're not explosive. Everything has to be perfect. You had 335 yards, 215 passing, 120 running. 17 first downs, 26 minutes of time possession. Cowboys had 39 minutes of time possession. You scored two touchdowns in the first quarter, and then your offense completely disappears after that. Mediocre on third down. Bunch of completions. Doesn't go anywhere. Doesn't get a lot of points. You don't really score until the waning minutes of the fourth quarter when it's always craziness anyway. And your one real explosive play was because the safety just uh-huh. whiffed. I don't know what he was doing. Caught in between, decided to go for a pick or a hit. I don't know what he was doing. But it looked like he was trying to, like, bat up a volleyball. I think he was 100% just <laughs> looking for pick and was shocked when Kendrick Bourne made that catch. Maybe. Well, that was your really, like, big explosive play other than, like, a Damian Harris run. You have no ability to have explosives in the passing game at all. And it's still the same issue it's been for three years. So that's where we're at, New England. But for the Cowboys... Cowboys, 567 total yards of offense, 445 through the air, 122 on the ground, 32 first downs, and a 39 uh, minutes of time possession. They had a fumble literally as they were about to score a touchdown. They had 12 penalties for 115 yards, and they still won the game. 
Now, I, I despise the head coach, and we'll get into that. But to me, this shows Dallas can play poorly and still win because they're that good of a football team and that talented. Yeah, but you played the Patriots, who were a team that, I mean, you let up the most points, that you let them get the most points they've gotten all season. So, like, I mean, when you say, what do I like, to, what can you take away from this for the Patriots? I mean, yeah, this is more of the same. Like, hey, this is, it's, it's going to be next year or maybe even two years before this team is actually good. Um, but for Dallas, like, you let this team almost beat you. Yeah, but they've played a lot of tough games, a lot of close games, and there's always going to be days like this in the NFL season. What matters is are you talented enough to overcome it and do it? I mean, hey, the offense Dak is, is the offense is good. CD Lamb is CD Lamb is really good, and that was terrible for my <laughs> fantasy team yesterday. I know it was. I like nine ca- nine catches, just under 150 yards, two touchdowns, including the game-winning touchdown. Um, oh. But like, and you know, Zeke, he, he's, he's getting better again this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and Dak Prescott is a really good quarterback. Yes. Um, Maybe he's even an elite quarterback. Do we say? Yeah, I mean, we'll get, we can. We'll, um, but, but the thing is, their 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 defense still sucks. What Dallas's? Yes, I disagree with you on that. You let. Oh come on! You let the Patriots oh. get twenty nine points. No, it was not a great defensive showing this week. I don't think their defense sucks. I don't think their defense is elite, but it's not like last year's team. I still don't think I. I still don't think this Cowboys team. Listen, they're they're gonna make the playoffs because of their division, uh, but uh, I, they're uh, probably gonna get bounced in the first the first game. Disagree. I think they're the third best team in the NFC. No, the Bucks and the Rams are better. Mm. Maybe Arizona's better than them too. I'd probably so say maybe Arizona maybe Dallas better. is four. Uh, the limit to Dallas is their head coach, and when it comes down to situational football, he'll screw it up. You don't think a healthy 49ers team and a healthy, I mean, a healthy Seahawks team might be a stretch, but like. No, the Seahawks have, even before Wilson went down in the injuries, they had one of the worst defenses in all of football. Yeah, I, don't, I know, but like, I don't, again, I don't think. Uh, no. No, I think Dallas would no. do whatever they wanted to that atrocious defense. Okay, but I, like, I think I think they would Russell Wilson put up sixty points. <laughs> oh come on! I mean, I'm over exaggerating, but you know what I mean. Maybe, but like I not I don't know. I think they could be. I don't. I wouldn't bet on it, especially right now. But like I, I, I certainly think the 49ers probably could. A healthy 49ers uh, team. Yeah, but that's but that's that's a pipe dream at this point. Well, yeah, because they they need to fire <laughs> their whatever their. Uh, the trainers? Yeah, that's the word. Why couldn't I think? Yeah, of? because I mean, you saying a healthy 49ers team at this point is like saying like I mean, like it's just not. We have two years of this now. You know what I mean? This it's not a one-off. It's been like three years of this. Yeah, well, yeah, but like two really bad ones. So like this isn't. You can't say this is bad luck oh. or, or you know I mean, no no. This is what your personal you don't is. Think Green Bay is a better team. Oh, good God, no. I kind of do. No, I think no, they're, they're, no. Green Bay is very average. Green Bay has Aaron Rodgers, and that's it. They're incredibly reliant on Devontae have, Adams in the passing game. They have Aaron Jones. They don't have a ton else. The offensive line is average. The defense doesn't scare anybody. Uh, Randall Cobb's look pretty good. He's not great. Because he's old. No, but like no, Dallas, no, Dallas, no. but Dallas. Do will, they play each other? Dallas I bet will they whoop do. them. I think they do. Yeah, 
I'm looking that up right now. I think Dallas would whoop them. Anyway, though, back to the Dallas and New England game. Before we get into the other two things, do you want to touch on Max pick six thing real quick again? Or did you I, say what you needed to well, say? Uh, I mean, no, I, get, I just I, I was like when in the moment it happened, like you heard me, like you were there. I was like, why did you make that play call? Like, why did you not at least again? If it's a long <coughs> third down, obviously you're gonna throw. Obviously you're gonna throw. But yeah. Why did you throw on that second down? Why did you throw? Yeah. I do not understand. I mean, I, I get the thinking just of trying to be aggressive because you know your defense isn't stopping them. But yeah, maybe they should have ran it on second down to pick up some yardage to make the third down easier. But it is what it is. The Cowboys do not play Green Bay. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, then. I'm a little disappointed by that. Anyway, let's get into the other thing. Mike McCarthy. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I don't understand this at all. Guys, everyone, what does McCarthy actually do on this team? McCarthy was an offensive guy, but Kellen Moore has complete autonomy in the offense. He calls the plays. It's his offense. McCarthy's never been a defensive guy. They brought in Dan Quinn. So McCarthy has two elite coordinators. Say what you want about Dan Quinn as a head coach, but Dan Quinn as a defensive coordinator is really good. That doesn't make you... Just because you're a good coordinator doesn't make you a head coach. Sure. Quinn fumbled in difficult times, decision-making, game management, probably not great culture-wise because they choked all the time. I'm sure that had something to do with him, too. But as a defensive coordinator calling plays and just coming up with that side of the football, he's a really good coordinator. So McCarthy has two elite coordinators, has nothing to do with actual in-time, in-game play calling. So you'd think in-game his only job is to manage the game and the clock. And he's abysmal at it. He's horrible. He's calling timeouts at the wrong time, giving the Pats a break. What are you doing it, kicking it on that 50-something yarder when it's fourth and one and you've run the ball down the Pats' throat all day long? I mean, just, like, what does he actually do well? I mean, and this is the sad state of things for Dallas. You're way better than I thought. I completely whiffed. You're one of the better teams in the NFC. But there's a cap to what your team can do because no matter how good you are, in the playoffs, football becomes about the fourth quarter and situations and consistently your head coach is terrible in late game decision making in situations so there's a cap on your team for what they can do and you're winning too much so McCarthy is going to have to be here but if McCarthy left the team if McCarthy was gone next week do you think Dallas would take that big of a hit Uh, well I mean Someone's got a John Gruden in him. I told you, uh, I told you last night that like I think I think he's here because Jerry likes him. He's like he's probably a yes man. He'll, he'll he's like Jerry says this and like, sure thing yeah, uh, and maybe he's maybe Aaron Aaron Rodgers didn't like him. Maybe maybe the players like him because he's maybe he's like a Bruce Arians. He's like you you do it, you got it. So he's just a culture uh, builder. Could yeah, maybe he could be. Because um, I mean, how long was he at Green Bay? Oh, he was there a long time. Yeah, um, and, and he like, had, and he had a lot of success. I mean, he won a Super Bowl. Yeah, but I, I, maybe had that had just a lot of him just sitting back for a long time and letting people do their thing. Um, and maybe eventually Aaron Rodgers didn't like that because he's like, you need to do something, and he's like, I don't know what to do. Um, so he's like, what an idiot! Get him out of here. Uh, but like you know, maybe for a while it was a lot, it was it was good because he 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 found the right people or the GM found the right people, 
And I mean, you can give him credit for the Dan Quinn one a little bit, but Kellen Moore, he didn't pick Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore was already on the I staff. Mean, that was Jerry Jones. He, maybe he didn't pick any of them. But, like, I'm just saying he could have just... Maybe he's just a guy that just gets along with everybody, you know? He just, so that's why he's he's still got a, a job. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's, I, I, it's just, has to, it's just like, when your one job is... There is an answer. <laughs> I just, you know, I don't have an, I don't have a real one, so I just. Well, no, no, no. I, I think your answer is legit. That probably is what it is. He, I mean, because Jerry, you know, likes things a certain way and doesn't like people to push back. Like he Garrett, wants to be in charge. That's why he kept with Jason Garrett for yeah, so long. I think he he always struck me as, you know, sorry, Jason, as kind of like a spineless dude. Um, yeah, and not really a. I was the one, not very assertive. Not alpha. Sure. Yeah. Um, and not someone who was going to push back on Jerry. And here's the thing. And Jerry, that, that's part of the flaws of Jerry's hiring of all these coaches, maybe. Mm. Like, he, he wants a guy that'll bow to his whim. And it's like, no, you want you want a coach, bro. Yeah. You want someone who will challenge you. Or, uh, because one yeah. set of eyes on everything isn't always right. We can all overlook things or fall too much in love with certain things. Or I'm just saying, bro, I'm doing it my way. I mean that too. Yeah, which is basically what you said. Yeah, but it's just it's baffling to me. And like I said, when you only have one job in the game, and you're terrible at it, I mean, what are you adding to the team anymore? I just don't know. I'm not in the locker room, so maybe it is that. But to me, it's just baffling. And I don't know how much they would really skip a beat if he wasn't the head coach anymore. Like I said, I think. Do you think he's better than I, say? I, I think someone might need to. He might need to get groomed. Do you think he's the worst coach in the league right now? That's a tough. That's a that's tough. Um, no, probably not. There's some bad ones. Oh yeah, I, I think um, I I think Sirianni's pretty bad. I think Campbell's pretty bad. I think Campbell is a raw raw guy, and the people like <laughs> and, the, and the guys really love him. He's talking about biting kneecaps or whatever it was. You, you you remember that that, yeah. that press conference? That was great. That was like Fred Flintstone on a mic. That was hilarious. <laughs> and listen, I probably would love to play for him, so I could see why people would like him. But like X's and O's. And you called Detroit the best 0-5 team. By the way, I, I think I think last week the shoe might have dropped though. Again uh, against the Bengals. <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't I didn't get to watch that game at they all. They got waxed. Uh, I saw the final score. Yeah, it wasn't I think, close. I think I think the, the I get to see a, like the product. <laughs> I think the things that we know that he doesn't do well are starting to show up, and all the raw raws wearing off a little bit. So I think it might get really bad now from here on well, in for Detroit. Well, the raw raw can only last so long. Well, when you're what constantly I mean. losing, it's like, well, I'm not that excited anymore. Like I still think we're gonna lose, no matter how pumped this guy is. You're not still pumped by week seven about biting kneecaps? No, because <laughs> like you're gonna bite some kneecaps and take it out then you just look stupid yeah so I Campbell's pretty bad I you know my opinions on Sirianni and the Eagles <clears throat> um, I'm trying to think who else is pretty bad as a head coach I mean the jury's out on Salah he doesn't have a ton to work with Uh, if you ask the Boston media, Bill Belichick is worse. Oh, gosh. But that's, that's a conversation for a different day. Do you want to get into that with this Dallas New England talk real quick or no? Uh, well, I certainly think Bill's going to get it this week. Uh, let's, let's, okay. Before, I, I kind of want to give you the time to talk about this. So, where does Dak stand now, by the way, in your eyes? Because to me, I've always thought Dak was like, you know, 
outside the top 10. Like 13, oh. 14, 15 range. And oh. when they gave him that contract, I was like, ooh, ooh, Dallas has ensured that they're never winning a Super Bowl now. But wow, he looks like a top quarterback in the NFL all of a sudden. Like pushing the top five. Hmm. Well, I mean, I'm- he's overcoming things left and right. He is making that team go. I mean, Kellen Moore's brilliant, too, and they have a lot of great pieces, but... I, no, but, uh, well, when he was a rookie, I remember his rookie season uh, was Zeke's rookie season. Mm-hmm. And that team, that, that team was winning. That was people were very, Dallas fans were very excited for the future. They were pumping up this kid, Dak Prescott, and Zeke. Um, and I much more believed in Zeke back then, because he had a great rookie season. Um... But like I at the time, like they were like they were throwing the least, they had the least amount of passing yards. They weren't really relying on Dak, mm-hmm. and I thought he was gonna really fall off. And there's just gonna be another. Just Dallas is gonna ruin it, whether you had potential or not. Um, I didn't think much of him. Then he got better. I think all right, maybe he'll stick around for a little bit. But now, yeah, he might. He he's. I mean, he's easily a top ten. Oh but yeah. Like, is it, he might be a top five in the league? Sure. Um, you know, his Mahomes, his Brady. Um, you certainly think Herbert up there. Yeah, I put Herbert up there as a top five. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe Stafford. Uh, now that he's in LA, and I, still doing it. I, I could make the argument that Dak is better than Stafford. He could be. Uh, um, I certainly see a lot more Dallas games than I see Rams games. Um, and you know, we'll see if um, you know. And Matt Stafford had a, a bad game against the Cardinals. Yeah, he did. Um, but like, hey, if he can still have like this, can be maybe one of his best seasons yet. And like, yeah. it kind of you could make the argument it should be. He's on a good team for once. Oh yeah, it should be. Um, but at the same time, he's kind of old, so maybe it shouldn't. But mm. he still got it. Um, so yeah, maybe he. Uh, is I think the wild card four here, four or five. The wild card here when we're talking about this is Kyler Murray and where you place him. Oh, that's that is a good point. Um, and I, I'm gonna say something that's crazy. Because obviously Dak has a major injury, but like I think I would take Dak over Kyler. I still worry about Kyler because I don't worry his size and his style of play. Like the minute the minute he's gotten so much better in the pocket throwing, but the minute he's hobbled even a little bit and he doesn't have that athletic ability, like I don't know if he's good enough. I mean he's small, which isn't great for being in the pocket all the time. Uh, so much of his game relies on his quick movements and running around and you know what I mean yeah that I just wonder it's just a little tweak of an ankle a little thing here a little thing there and he's you know only 60% of the player that he is right now or 70% of the player that he is right now whereas Dak is bigger stronger poised in the pocket you know can do everything from in the pocket he's athletic enough that he can make the second reaction, you know, improvise plays when he needs to and extend plays, but he doesn't have to rely on just that as heavily as someone like Kyler does. Mm. Uh, and, I, and I love Kyler. Kyler's, listen, I would love to start a franchise and a, and a team with Kyler, but if you're going to give me Dak or Kyler, I might take Dak for that reason. And I, you know, I get that. And I, you know, with his, with Kyler's play, yeah, running around all the time, like, you know, he's constantly. He seems to constantly. He loves to be on the run almost because, yeah. like, when he when he, yeah he breaks the pocket, like he's so he can make something happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and but like 
you know, eventually, yeah, you're going to take a hit doing that. Someone's just going to finish their hit on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that could be it. Um, not, maybe, not, maybe not it, like his career's over. But, like, yeah, you, that could be it for yeah, like that I play said, style. All, yeah, yeah just, just the way he plays, if he's not... And 100%. It's, and it's, yeah, it's, it's very exciting. It's a huge hit. To watch, but, like, yeah, I mean. He, I worry about sustainability. Patrick Mahomes, like, he loved to run around, too. And, like, part of, part of why he made what made him so dangerous is his ability to, um, like, when he leaves the pocket. Like, he was almost seemed to be a better player mm-hmm. uh, with his ability to extend plays and stuff like that. Um, and it, it seems to have taken at least a little bit of a toll on him. Yes, he had some injuries, and maybe that maybe this is that has to do with a little bit of his his struggles. Yeah, this year, I think so, one hundred percent. So I mean, yeah, he's and yeah, he's smaller, and I th- I think the fact that he's in a dome and in a warm climate really helps that yeah. he's small, especially with throwing um, yes. and stuff like that. But like, still, you you go on the road to say um, Green Bay, you, so you gotta sit him because it's cold. Absolutely, absolutely not. What? Um, and you can just get hit. Yeah. And go hard into that cold, frozen ground, and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, no, exactly. So I worry about sustainability with that, but I, it's looking to me like Dak might have been worth all the money that he is getting right now if he can stay healthy. Certainly, and yeah, if at this point of the season, he's like, all right, that rehab and the time off, like, all right, it, it worked. He seems to be a hundred percent. Yeah, it was. Yeah, then under Kellen Moore, there he really seems to have taken the next step. Um, and you know that might be partly due to also Jason getting Jason Garrett out of there and just upgrading the staff as well. All right. Before well, we, actually, I want to ask you. Yeah. Then who would you rather have as head coach, Jason Garrett or Mike McCarthy? Jason Garrett. Okay. I think the staff around Mike McCarthy is so much better than the staff that was around Garrett. Not okay. to be a Jason Garrett defender, I don't think Jason Garrett's a good head coach. I think Jason Garrett defines mediocrity um, as a head coach. Uh, but I actually think he might be a little bit better than Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy does some, like, just head-scratching stuff <laughs> late in games. It's crazy. All right. Uh, do you want to talk about the Belichick thing? I mean, he's getting absolutely ripped all the time, I feel like, by local media nowadays. Oh, yeah. Since Brady has departed, it's everything is Bill's fault, it seems. Uh, and I, I'm sure he's going to get it this week. Um, and, you know, like that... I mean, that's probably mostly Josh McDaniel's call, but, like, I don't think Bill's not at least in on what the play call is for offense. I mean, he's like, yeah, I can't believe he, if he was in on that play, that second down throw with the pick six, I'm surprised Bill was not like, no, don't do that. Hmm. Um, and, you know, there is recently his, his draft. His draft hasn't been that as good. Um and like there is some things, and like sure, if Bill's at least a little at fault to let have Brady gone, sure he should deserve some blame. But are we gonna say all the things he's done now don't matter, and that he's still not a good coach and at least one of the better coaches in the NFL? That's ridiculous. Hmm. And like you expect this team to be really good last season with Cam Newton and a whole bunch of people um, not playing because of COVID. Uh, and it was just a weird season and all that stuff. And this first time without Brady, yeah, I did not really expect them to be good last season. I didn't really expect them to be good this season, even with all those signings. Um, you know, some of them are working out. Hunter Henry's looking pretty good. Judon looks great. Mm. Um, but, like, you know, Mills, we'll, we'll see if he can 
because Mills did not look good yesterday. He no, did no, not look good. No, no, CD Lamb ran right by him. Seems in every play. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. Mills didn't look great. Uh, so, but like you know, at times he's he's looked decent. So maybe that could work out. Um, hopefully, Johnu Smith can gel a little more as the second tight end. And he, I mean, I, not that I thought he's been bad, but like he's certainly been. I don't know, not too big of a factor. Hmm. Um, mostly a factor in the running game. Uh, and, you know, we'll see how these play out. But, like, I don't think Bill deserves all the crap he gets. Like, he I, I, he I'll, won Brady that sixth Super Bowl. He did it. Thank you. That's what I was um, waiting for you to get into. Uh, it, that was all Bill. Yeah, and, that game against the Rams. Yeah, and, you know, the last few seasons Brady was here. Yeah, Brady didn't have the weapons, and I that's why he can sling it in Tampa Bay and he's not wasn't here those last couple seasons and yeah he wasn't giving Brady the weapons but the defense that Bill put on the field which is his specialty mm-hmm. looked great so yeah. no I don't think Bill doesn't and have remember, it anymore I remember what Sean McVay and the Rams offense was doing to everybody they faced that year yeah and I know Sean McVay's specialty is offense and Bill made him and he Sean McVay even said like that was the most humbling experience I've had in my football career yeah. Um, like he made him look bad. He made he, he John McVay was clueless. Mm. He couldn't pick up the schemes. Jared and Jared Goff was couldn't pick up anything. He couldn't read blitzes and like this because the scheme was so good. Mm-hmm. So many people were up at the line, but that would just fall back into coverage. But they do that like every play, make it look like they're coming, and very rarely actually would. And every time they would, it seemed to work. Mm-hmm. So Bill, Bill knows how to draw up a game plan. Mm-hmm. He looks really good in that Buccaneers game I bet a lot of that was Bill being like no 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 let's play him like this yeah um yeah I, I think he's getting I, I, it really is it, it's become just let's let's rip Bill Belichick now for the past year and a half yeah as if as if Bill isn't hugely responsible for all of this all yeah. of a sudden he can't coach and yeah, the drafting hasn't been great recently, and that's part of the reason why it seems to have fallen off a little bit. And I get that. Yeah, and um, that's totally on Bill, and Bill needs to get better at that or relinquish some of that power to other people. But in this past draft, he did, um, and we'll see how that turns out in the long run. Hmm. Um, but like he he's, he at least did it a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. All right. From that, I want to get into something that everyone knows already. But but I, I got a different thing about this. So Tua and Miami. Oh my gosh, you lost to Jacksonville. That was terrible. Put up twenty points against Jackson, that. T- Jacksonville got better every week. It was about time. Oh, we're about to get into that too. That'll be quick though. But <clears throat> Tua and Miami. Tua comes back, and people think that that's going to make a difference. Ridiculous. Absolutely absurd. There are two things going on right now. Miami that I really want to talk about on what has just been an absolute disastrous, miserable season. Uh, they had high hopes, and they've all come crashing down. But here's something that, I mean, we all struggle with. I think men particularly struggle with this. I can talk about this because as someone with, you know, I have an ego. I like to be right. I think that I am right most of the time. But sometimes wanting to be right is the problem and you just overlook obvious things or you're just stuck in your ways and forced to defend your position just because you want to be right and you can't admit it and you can't just try to get it right. The Arizona Cardinals and Steve uh, Steve Kahn, the GM there, deserve a ton of credit because if you're drafting a quarterback and picking a head coach, right, are those the two biggest things that you will mostly be judged on as a GM? 
Uh, probably, yes. Exactly. Yes. And Steve had the guts, the cojones, the balls to say, you know what? After one year, oh, I totally whiffed on the quarterback and the head coach. Both of them. Fires the head coach, uses his next draft pick to draft Kyler Murray, despite the fact that he drafted Rosen before that. And you know what? He hit it out of the park. He was right. He was right about being wrong and admitting he whiffed instead of trying to force himself to defend a position that wasn't right that we can all see. That's one of the things I love about sports. Like you can you can you can hide things for a little while and you can disguise and do all these other but eventually if you've whiffed, if you're not what it you don't have what it takes or you've whiffed or whatever we all have eyes and we can all see the product on the field, whether it's baseball, whether it's football, whether it's, that's what I love about sports. And in the rest of life, it's so much easier to like hide the uh, politics. Don't even get me in it. It's so easy to just fudge numbers and come out with data and lie about, it makes it so hard to know who's right, who's wrong. Sports, we all have eyes. We all watch the product on the field. There's a final score, W, loss. And you can hide it for a little while, but eventually if you don't have it, it all comes out. That's one of the beauties of sports. And all these guys, whether it's Pace in Chicago with Trubisky and what Chris Greer is doing now in Miami with Tua, you're trying to continue to defend something that you whiffed on. And you had a chance last year with another top pick to draft a quarterback. And you didn't do it. Guys, people, when you whiff, you whiff. You got to admit it. It's hard. I get it. I hate admitting I'm wrong. I know that for a fact. But boy, if you can do that and you can pivot quickly, that is a great skill to have. And I'm not saying never be patient with quarterbacks. But look at the other guys around Tua, the other quarterbacks that have been drafted. He's small. He's injury prone. His arm is average at best. His athletic ability is average. He has weapons and things there. It's not like he's Sam Darnold on the Jets when Darnold got there. They're not that bad. Brian Flores has done a good job the past two years. The wheels have fallen off this year. I'm not that Flores doesn't deserve any criticism for that, but I think a lot of that has to do with Chris Gere, the GM. But stop trying to defend something we can all see and we all know you're wrong at and just be willing to pivot. Arizona did it and they have reaped the benefits. They're undefeated, maybe the best team in the NFC, and this is where Miami's at now. You look like one of the worst teams in the NFL, and you just lost to Jacksonville, 23-20. to You put up 20 points on that terrible defense. So that's where you're at right now, Miami. Admit you're wrong when we all can see you whiffed. Do you have any quick things on that before I get into the next uh, thing? Well, yeah, Dom, we get it. You hate Tua. Um, <laughs> I've known this for years. You you said it when he was at Alabama. Like, yeah, this kid's not that good. Um, I was right. And, well, here's the thing. It's his second season. And, and like, I don't think, I really don't think you sh- that Miami should have drafted a quarterback. I do. Uh, this offseason, like, you, you gave him, uh, like, half a season all in all. And it's like, hey, if, again, if he really finishes this year and it's bad, then you can be like, all right, this is not working. And hey, you got a, it looks like you got a maybe high draft pick coming again. So, yeah, but 
It's a really bad quarterback class this year. Uh, wait till next year and, and sign, uh, you know, one of those quarterbacks that we like to play musical chairs with. Argo trade for Deshaun Watson. I guess. Which I've called Maybe. for uh, multiple sure. times. I guess you can do that. Um, Go for it. But, but I, I mean, I thought you were going to go more into about how this isn't really Brian Flores' oh, fault. Oh, we're going to get into that now. Into, the, like, with that. I was just giving you a chance to respond to the Tua okay. stuff. Because I'm more of a, just like, all right, maybe he's not going to work out. I guess he's probably not going to work out. I certainly would have not drafted a quarterback this year um, and given him at least two years. Like, you know, I feel bad for Josh Rosen. I'm sure he would have sucked, too, but I feel like he didn't get a chance. <laughs> um, so Tua should get his chance, and he can have it this year, and it's like, all right, if it doesn't work out, then then he can. Okay. That's my thing about it. I don't understand how you can look around the AFC right now with all the young quarterbacks and not realize. What do you think? Miami's running game ain't doing much of anything either. That doesn't help him. It doesn't. It's it's not great. But the the guy, as soon as it comes time to throw the ball more than about 10 yards down the field. The defense has been surprisingly he's not, bad. He's not very good, though. His ball placement's not great. His arm strength's meh. His decision-making sometimes. When he's under, even the slightest bit of pressure in the pocket completely unravels him. He's got like that Jared Goff syndrome in that. Like, just unravels him. I am so surprised uh that the fact that he got injuries in college didn't make him drop more. I mean, it made Burrow the number one pick over him. That's what it did. But, like, still, like you'd you think that'd make him. I just don't understand how you first. can look around the AFC right now. You got Josh Allen in division, big, strong. What other quarterbacks went in that athletic. draft other than Justin Herbert? Um, Herbert, Burrow, and. They're never going to get Burrow because he went first. No, I know. So, I think um, that might have been it for like, other than round, like, like round one guys, or at least guys that that um, at least guys that matter. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Do the thing. Uh, I. Yeah, it was just it was just uh, just those three. Herbert went to Oregon. He did, and I and I loved Justin well, Herbert. The thing about that is that's not. Like, Alabama's so in your face. We all know what Alabama is. Uh, Burrow went to LSU. There's Clemson. Uh, but then there's Oregon. So I understand why maybe a Herbert could go a little under the radar. That's no excuse for an NFL scout or GM. But I understand why maybe Herbert wasn't nearly as looked at as much. I can get that. And Oregon under Cristobal runs a lot more of a conservative offense. But you all go to pro days. And you all can see the talent. Do they all go to pro days, Dom? Well, we'll get into that with Chris Greer. Um, and he had a great, he had a big standalone game against Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl, where Wisconsin was clearly the better team. Wisconsin's defense is amazing. And Oregon couldn't be conservative, and they had to put the game on Herbert. And Herbert shined. Herbert was brilliant in taking down a team that was completely overmatching his team. So that, mm. that should have been a nice turning point for people to watch. Okay. But yeah, so uh, from that, I saw when I was looking this stuff up, I saw a Miami reporter calling to clean house in Miami, including firing Brian Flores. And I laughed. I thought that was so funny. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. 
The problem here is the owner. And then here's the other great one. Chris Greer, the GM, whiffing on draft pick after draft pick. Miami's had a million picks, and yet their old line still kind of sucks. None of these draft picks are really working out. Like, like Jalen Waddle's like the only one who's really, really working. Greer took over in 2016. He'd been a scout with Miami before that. He's basically been in the organization for 20 years and doesn't have a high reputation with him around the entire league, and yet he kept getting elevated further and further and further within the organization. And now, 2016 to 2021, the draft picks are not working out at all. Maybe he's a yes man. I think he might. Owners love that. I think that might be it. There was also a thing Lombardi came out, ripped him a bit, doesn't understand how he has a job, and said he didn't even see him at Justin Herbert's workout because he just mailed it in that he was drafting Tua. So I don't know why we're blaming Brian Flores here. Brian Flores has done a lot with not much the past two years. Listen, he has not looked good at all this year, and some of that has to fall on him. But to call for Flores' job this year after what he did the last two years, to me, is absurd. There's only so much Brian can do if you're whiffing on draft picks all the time. Yeah, and no, I, I really like Brian Flores as a coach also, and this chair is so loud today. You're whiffing um, on multiple first-round picks, and you're whiffed on your quarterback. What is Brian Flores supposed to do? Sure. I know, absolutely. Um, but, like, I mean, as someone, he you know, he played, he, oh, I mean, he coached in New England for a long time, and he uh, he was someone who constantly got elevated by Bill Belichick um, and because he was a good coach. He had a great mind for it. Now, obviously, you know, being able to be a, a linebacker coach and then, you know, the defensive play caller uh, doesn't make you a great head coach. Uh, it shouldn't matter, though, that Belichick is a defensive guy, and even he went, I feel comfortable giving this guy the reins to be a defensive play caller. Yeah, but he never quite gave him the reins of uh, defensive coordinator. Yeah, but he was basically the defensive coordinator, but he wouldn't give him the title. I know, but that's Bill. Uh, sure, uh, but I. But the, the fact that he would even hand over play calling to him. Sure, and like, um, and, and the whole time again, Brian Flores was a good coach. Doesn't quite translate to head coach. No, doesn't make you a good head coach. However, that first season in Miami, when he had to coach one of the worst products I've ever seen in the NFL, and made them. Obviously, like you could, you watch if you watch them, day game in and game out, you watch them seem to get better literally every week. Um, and by the end of the season, they beat the Patriots in Week 16. By the end of the year, didn't they win like three of the last four or something like yeah, that? Something like that. And yeah. One of them was the, the Patriots, past, the past one. who were looking to be uh, getting looking to get the bye week. Yes, and they. Because they lost to Miami, they missed the bye week. Um, and the rest is history. Yeah. I mean, Brady was still leaving. Probably. Uh, that offseason. But, like... Didn't help. Uh, we clearly saw, like, this man can lead a team. This mm-hmm. man can coach. Um, despite the uh, the pieces he had. And then there was significant... Um, Improvement last year. It's like, oh man, this team is. They just missed the playoffs, but they were, you know, in contention the whole season to make it. Um, and I admire his balls to switch quarterbacks back and forth all the time. It's like mm-hmm. this ain't working right now. Like, uh, we're gonna put in Fitzmagic. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and like, all right, we'll we'll, we'll give you another shot. All right, mm-hmm. it's not working again. It's magic. And I, I I admire like a coach that's not just like, well, he'll figure it out. It's like, well, maybe he well maybe he needs a second to sit. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he if it's not going to reach his potential to a that we thought he had, if he doesn't have that actual potential, that's not Brian Flores' fault. No. Um, maybe the fact that he's not worse is a lot to do with how good of a coach Brian Flores is. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, it is shocking how bad they are this year. Yeah. Because the defense is not a good either. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't... I still see Brian Flores as a really good coach. Yeah, I think to call for his head is ridiculous. Yeah. And like, uh, sure, fire him. I want him back. Make that mistake. Do it. But like, no, I don't think he should. No. I think you need to get rid of that GM. By the way, all their... Um, all their uh, off-season acquisitions they made before this year aren't really working out either. So you're whiffing on draft picks and your off-season acquisitions. Will Fuller might. He just needs to play. It won't. That's the problem. All right. Anyway, quickly, quickly. Listen, the media hates Urban. I'm not going to defend Urban for his little charade after the Thursday night game against Cincinnati. That was terrible. Hey, man, if he wants to sit in a chair with a woman in his lap, he has the right to do that. <laughs> yeah, fly home with your team. Not great. But can we stop with these... My, like talking about how horrible this team is and he can't coach they seem to be getting a little bit better every week absolutely no i see every week i'm like, like they got, they're getting, they they're got like, stomped week one i understand that but like they're getting better they're like their the, game plans look decent they're like the bad news bears every week every game is just a little bit better yeah so still they, i think the media is still being ridiculous with yeah. urban all right from that, we are going to take a quick break, guys, and then we'll get into baseball talk. The Sox, the Astros, and also in the National League, that series as well. So quick break, guys. Stay with us. Ladies and gentlemen, Dominic Lorenzano alongside writer for the Yaki Way Report, as always, Jesse Caulfield. And uh, Yaki Way Report thing, that was a great way to segment in this because we are on to baseball, guys. This season for the Sox keeps just giving just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little yeah. bit more than we thought it would. Sox move past the Rays and we're on to Houston now where we have split the first two games in Houston. And... Uh, Boy, I don't know what to think. I'm so happy that they've split the first two. So they have a a nice shot, a better shot than I thought here in Houston. It's going to be a slugfest, though, because both these teams' offenses are crazy good. And they're hot. And hot, definitely, absolutely. And when when the Sox had that grand slam with JD, even though Eovaldi was on the mound, so I did feel decent about that, was your thought process like, I feel like we still need like seven runs to actually be safe here. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. This is going to be a lot different well, than the Rays even, one. Even when it was nine nothing, <laughs> and then uh, the Rays started to ship away. They had that three run inning. Astros, yeah. To, um, 
then I was like, oh no, oh no, we're gonna blow it. Yeah, you just never feel safe against this Houston offense at all, or with this pitching, or with our pitching. So like, I'm still worried about down the stretch here. Erod goes tonight. That is terrifying in its own right. He was good last time. He was. He was. I don't feel like Houston has a ton of lefty bats though. They got Tucker and Alvarez, but. Mm. But anyway, so so socks in Houston here. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. JD, this offense is looking really hot. I love what everyone's doing. JD looks really good at the plate. Kike Hernandez has been the best hitter uh, Kike, in the history of baseball yeah, I, seriously. over a five game span. But huge that they split in Houston, so it gives them a real shot. You got three here at Fenway. You feel like you got to take two or three while you're here at Fenway, right? At least. And well, I mean, if you take all three, you won the series anyway. Yeah, but if you go back to Houston only winning one game, like, I oh, don't. you got to win yeah, two but, in Houston. Like, no, uh, man. No, I don't think so. And I love the fact we've talked about we feel like Fenway is a real actual, like, home field advantage, which is not a ton up in baseball. They haven't lost a game in Fenway in the playoffs yet. Yet. <clears throat> yet. I mean, I expect, them, I expect <clears throat> them to lose at least one of these three. At least one of these three. Yes. Um, but, like, the thing also is, like, I'm, I'm happy you split in Houston. At the same time, part of me, like, you really had a good chance to win that first game. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, it was just kind of two really bad pitches. And then the, 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 it started to go off the rails a little bit. Like, you only lost by two. But, like, there was really two pitches that, like, damn. Yeah, like the Correa home run and then the Altuve home run. It's like, oh no, no. And then you could have, you could have maybe won that game. And I know it's a lot to ask to go for the bullpen to go that long, yeah, and keep them silent, especially an offense like that with such um, explosive bats. But I mean, at the same time, the offense that game, like the Red Sox, seem to have that problem of they have one big offensive inning and then disappear, um, which was so nice to see about game two of how you get that jolt in the first inning and then you kept it going immediately in that second inning yeah Yeah. it made history in the process absolutely that's always nice i will say this i do like on the flip side i do like that a lot of houston's pitching is very inexperienced though and that loss to mccullers was huge for them absolutely yeah like having the the rookie luis garcia pitch that last game i mean didn't he look i don't want to say i don't want to say scared but he definitely looked like he wasn't trusting his stuff, and he was trying no. to nibble way too much. Once it started to go wrong, oh, like he, he melted. Clearly, he, he melted down. Just panicked. Yeah, he melted down completely. And he, yeah, he couldn't. And like, I wonder, like, like they took him out because of that injury. Like, did he just fake it? I don't know. Um, I don't know. But he he didn't look. He, he really looked like he was not trusting his stuff at all. So I yeah. do love that about. The Sox, once again, at least pitching-wise, probably have the experience edge on the Astros. Yeah. Offensively, it's kind of a wash between think, the two. I think you have the better coach. Yes. Um, and I'm not to say, like, the people love to cra- trash Dusty Baker. Uh, but, like, that man has been around. He's yeah. won, like, five division titles, I think it was, mm-hmm. with five different teams. Or uh, with he's just won division titles with five different teams. So yeah. that, that says something. But I still think... Um, I like that you have Alex Cora. I don't know what it is. He just seems to, because he was so good in 2018. Um, and, like, this bullpen, like, it's sus. The pitching staff just in general is sus. Mm-hmm. But Alex Cora is, for the most part, hitting a lot of the right buttons. And even when it goes wrong with the bullpen, um, 
it he, he's been able to make the right moves when it starts to go wrong to minimize damage um like bringing in Martin Perez when Salamora was really blowing up. You still lost that game, mm-hmm. but like, I mean, I guess the Salamora move you could say was bad, but like at some point you got to use them. Yeah. Um, I'm worried about how long this bullpen can hold up. Yes, I'm waiting for it to really drop and really go wrong because they've been surprisingly good to this point. Yeah. And I, th- I do think a lot of that is Alex Cora just making the right moves at the right time. Um, a lot of people like tried to crap on him for like oh you shouldn't have done sale game one uh they did love treated it like a throwaway game yeah i liked it thank you i loved sale going game one you know why because game two becomes a must win if you don't win game one right and i would rather have nathan in the must win game than sale yes or i I thought oh 100 i thought kind of the same thing and like if it's a must-win game, I don't... Yeah, I really don't want Sale on the mountain there. No, I right. want Nathan. Um, I want Nasty Nate. Yeah, and he was... Nasty. Yeah, he really was. He's, he's just I mean, he gave a up guy. Three, he gave up three runs, but listen, giving up three runs to this but, offense but is... But at that point, the game was already 9 nothing. Yeah, too. Um, See, the last thing you want to do is ever be walking, guys. Yeah. you got to go after him aggressively. Yeah, yeah it, it was it was hits that did it to him. Yeah, five so, and a third, five hits, three runs, one walk, three punch-outs. And listen... I'm serious, especially in playoffs. Giving up three runs to this Houston offense over five plus innings is—I don't care what the ERA says. When you watch the game, it's not that bad. I mean, this Houston offense is no, so was, good. It was almost a, and like it, I mean, yeah, it was still middle of the game, but for him, it was—he was already went for a couple innings. They—they yeah. they were starting to see his stuff, so mm-hmm. they were going to hit it more. And he's obviously going to go after them because, like, yeah, can't walk, why, can't walk people with yeah, a run lead. Yeah. That's the last thing you want. Yeah, but I'd rather get hit. I'd rather give up a base hit than a walk. Yeah, and his ability to go that five plus was really good because it gave some of those guys in the bullpen a break. Um, Ottavino still did pitch, who pitches meaningful innings, but he only pitched two thirds of an inning, and then Whitlock did pitch. But after that, it was Darwinson Hernandez, who we haven't seen a ton in, um, you know, high yeah, leverage in, situations in garbage time. Yeah, and then Brazier, and, and, then, and then Brazier came in to just get one out because it's not even. Here's the other thing when it comes to these playoff series, right? It's not even just about innings for your bullpen. It's about how many times is the other team seeing them. Yeah. You saw that in the Dodgers series, in the World Series. Remember that. They kept using their bullpen way too much. And near the end, like, the Sox just were like, oh, man, we know exactly what these guys are going to throw. We've seen their stuff multiple times now throughout yeah. the series. Like, it just kept getting worse and worse. So. It's not even just about innings. It's also just about how often is the other team seeing your guys. Yeah, and that could, I mean, very much take a toll. Cora said he was going to be aggressive in the playoffs with his bullpen, and he certainly has to this point. Um, and yeah, this series goes long, which like we kind of expected too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that could that could really actually bounce in the favor of Houston then. Yes, because I mean, you when you use Whitlock. I, you expect at least an inning, maybe even two out of them. So if you're going to do that consistently, um, you can, you know you have to give them like some breaks in between. So I don't expect to see them maybe tonight, but probably tomorrow um, for an inning or two, hmm. and then that could mean a six or game six or seven appearance and for an inning or two, and maybe at that point, like all right, the Astros know how to hit them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, tonight, Erod obviously goes against um, Jose Uriquidi, the 26-year-old right-hander for the Astros. Um, 34 games so far in his MLB 
uh, entire career. Good uh, good numbers la- uh, this year, though. 3.62 ERA, 8-3, whip, uh, 90 punch-outs on 107 innings. But again, another a younger guy going yeah. today for the Astros. I will Him. say this. Jacob DeRizzi uh, logging four innings for the Astros in that last game was actually kind of big for them, too. Because it did, it did, again, help the bullpen out with the Sox not seeing a lot of it uh, once again. Yeah. So that was big for Odorizzi to go four innings for them. Uh, down the stretch here, obviously we know Erod's going tonight. Uh, game four, who do you think they're turning to? I think maybe Pavetta, and that's maybe part of the reason you haven't seen him yet in this series. Okay. Because I was definitely surprised you didn't see him game one. Although if you could use him game one, you could probably still use him game um, game four. Mm. Uh, I think it could be Pavetta. Um, you could maybe go back to Sale because he's probably... I think you have to go back to Sale. So there's nobody else. I mean, if not Pavetta, yeah, I guess Sale. But, like, I'd kind of... If you don't use Pavetta tonight, I'd kind of rather Pavetta. Oh, for that game. Okay, but I meant, like, the game after that, you go to Sale. If you use game Pavetta... F- game, game five. S- okay. No, oh, game at five. that point, yeah, Sale. If you don't... If you, but, like, tomorrow... Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, it'd probably be Pavetta. Yes. The Piv, man. The but, like, Piv. If, I also want... Um, the fact that it's Erod in game three, like, the it, and the fact that it's his home, like... Yeah. Like, thank God for that. I know. I do not want him pitching on the road. Like, you at least have the Fenway crowd behind him. Um, so, that, that could help him a little bit. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. And, uh, honestly... Because if you do Pavetta game four, and then you just go sale game um, five, and then Evaldi game six, yes, Erod is your game seven. <laughs> I mean, listen, but game seven is always just everyone and anyone. Sure, you know what I'm saying. Um, and I'm sure, I'd ha- yeah, I'd absolutely like, have a like short sale leash. might even pitch an inning, and but I don't want. I don't want him on the mound in game seven at all. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but you can't really afford to save Nathan for game seven. I don't really think you can, at least. No. No, if you have the chance to close it and you can have a chance to do it, or you have a chance to stay alive, yeah. whether whatever it be in game six, if this goes to six, um, I want Nathan on the mound, whether to end yeah. it or extend it. Exactly, exactly. To me, game seven is always just like you just throw everything at the wall and just yeah. go, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got to use your guys beforehand. you got to treat everything like, you know, I'll worry about tomorrow when tomorrow comes. So then when game seven, that's the situation with game six. I'll worry about game seven if it comes. Yeah. And then game seven is just everything. Just (laughs) I'll manage it whatever I can. We're just going to, you know, anything and everything. Yeah. All right. So good luck to the Sox. Do you think they're winning tonight? I'm feeling, you know what? You kind of should have won game one. You easily won, you know, pretty easily won game two. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I'm feeling pretty good. Okay. As long as uh, Erod's got the hometown crowd behind him, it's a rookie on the other side. Uh, the Sox, uh, there's a reason to be hopeful about this game, absolutely. Yeah. All right, from that, we will switch over to the National League. Before we get into the Braves and Dodgers, I want to get over get into uh, just how the Dodgers-Giants series ended. The check swing heard around the world. Mm. Oh, my gosh. That is horrible. That was so bad. I feel so bad. That was such a great series overshadowed by just a horrendous way to end it. And I know Flores looked kind of overmatched by Scherzer anyway, so the outcome might not have changed. But, man, I just don't understand how you can make that decision in, in, in that 
no. time period. Jesse, I'm going to turn it over to you, though. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I was watching that live, and when, you know, you, you get the view over the pitcher's shoulder, basically, um, and when it happened, you know, it's happened. it happens fast, certainly in that angle. It's very hard to see. I thought, oh, it's going to be close, maybe. And when they showed him uh, the strike call, the umpire, uh, the first base umpire, I was like, all right, I guess he went. And I would think, like, it was obvious. Mm-hmm. Because, like, how else do you make that call? In that situation. Because if it's... Here's the thing. He could have gone by, like, a millimeter. But if it's borderline at all, you can't. You can't end the game like that. No. No. Um, unless it's so obvious. Yeah. But when they showed... And, like, yeah, I, I accepted the strike call because in the first angle, like, the live angle, it's hard to see. It's fast. The angle's not good. I accepted it. And then they showed the replay, and it wasn't close at all. No. Not even a little bit. And I couldn't understand how you, what he possibly saw to make the call. And he did it with confidence. He did it with gusto. I know. Strike three. You're out. Like he wanted it to be about him. I'm not accusing. I'm not saying he did, but like, but like oh my gosh. What did you, and like, I'll agree, like, oh, Flores wasn't doing anything. Yeah, the game was gonna end, but come on, you can't do that. Let it be a like a nice strikeout. You can't do it with the check swing. Listen, the NFL does this too. With like a lot of times when it becomes critical time and stuff, like the refs do swallow whistles. NBA playoffs, refs swallow whistles. And it showed the same way. I don't understand how a major league umpire didn't have that thought in his mind already. Like yo, the situation like. I have to know unquestionably obvious before I'm going to make a call that's going to end a game. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, especially like, can you replay replay that? What? Can you challenge that play? No, you can't. All right, that's uh, that's stupid. I mean, um, I get why you can't because you don't want to open that can of worms because it's I like yes, because it's you, like if you're going to have because it's like reviewing strike and, and balls. You know what I, I mean? I guess. I, I I don't want this solution here to be review, uh, replay because I despise uh, replay, especially in baseball. I want the the thing just needs to be. You got to tell these. There's got to they got to talk to the umps and just be like, listen, you. We don't want you making calls in critical situations that will end games. I I no, absolutely. And all refs should feel that way. All refs and umps should feel like, that. All way. All of them should feel that way. What I what did you see, dude? Were you not? Were you looking at your shoes? And then he was like, "Oh my God, they're looking at me." Huh? I mean, I, it. Listen, it's a tough. It's one of the tougher calls in baseball. It is. It happens so fast. Which is why your automatic thing in the situation, you need to think about the situation and be like, "My automatic call should be no." Yeah, and like even for even for umpires, like the angle is not. When you get the camera angle, mm-hmm. you get the perfect camera angle to tell, like, oh, he did or did not go. Mm-hmm. Umpire's position isn't perfect for that. No. So, yeah, if it's borderline at all, go no. with the hitter. Yeah. No. No, I'm not ending the game on this. No. Just yeah. brutal. But anyway. Yeah. And, like, you know, like I said, I don't think the Dodgers – and I when it went to five games, I picked the Dodgers to win that game. Um, and I don't think Flores was getting the hit. It's just more about, like – it's all about – like, bro, if you, it should never be ref ball. No. The ref should never decide the game in any way, shape, or form. Whether the game was about to end anyway. Yeah. But, 
it, it, it looked bad. It was it was bad. And yeah, it, it, it makes I me, feel I want to wonder if he wanted it to so be about him. I feel so bad for the 107 win Giants. <laughs> I know. Oh, gosh, it's so rough. That was a great series for anyone who did stay up and oh. watch it. It was a sensational series. Oh, absolutely! It, it it lived up to the hype. I just wish I wish it was well, a. I wish it was seven. And it, it b. That what a tragic ending. What a stupid ending. <laughs> I know. It did kind of cast a bad shadow over it. Anyway, yeah. on to the Braves and Dodgers. Atlanta. I'm calling them the team of destiny. After a terrible, terrible nightmare season for half of it and losing half your guys and battling your way through beating the Brewers two walk-off game winners against, you know, the Titans of the National League in baseball. What are we feeling about the Braves here going forward in this series? I mean, they have the 2-0 lead, so it's easy to say maybe they're going to win it, but... Yeah, but you have... I just looked, you have Charlie Morton picked to be game three, and like, yeah, Walker Bueller's on the other side. That's That's a great choice for the Dodgers, but like... that's a great guy to have out there if you want to go up 3-0. Um, yeah, you're going to Dodger Stadium, and they'll be they have good fans. They'll be there. They'll be packed house. They'll be rabid. Um, but like, yeah, like you you have to be feeling good. Like there were two walk off wins, and yeah, that means close good games. I mean, the Dodgers could have won, but like, we're human beings. Dodgers got to be feeling pretty, pretty bad about that and mm-hmm. not saying to themselves, like, oh, we almost won, but, like, man, no matter what we do, we can't pull it out right now. That's no. that's where a lot of people tend to go. Um, so, like, yeah, you got to be feeling great if you're a Braves fan uh, and your reason to be. And, like, watching the Do- this happen to the Dodgers also feels really good because, oh, my God, I'm sick of the Dodgers. I know you are. Um and you're someone who was way higher on the Dodgers coming into this playoffs than I was. I actually kind of thought that I saw a lot of cracks and holes. I'll get into those. But we did both have Atlanta, I think, as like when we played bed wed bed as our you know dark horse in the National League. Yes. So I actually did think of all the teams, they actually matched up very well with the Dodgers. Because they had enough pitching to at least not be overmatched by the Dodger pitching. Like, as far as, like, head-to-head. But I felt they had the offense to bang with L.A.'s. And actually, today, I think without Muncy in L.A. and Bellinger, obviously, with his struggles, I think the Dodgers have an offensive problem. I mean, they didn't score a lot of runs in the Giants series either, and they're not scoring a lot here. I mean, I I got... Betts Betts has been kind of, like, hot and cold all season. He's not been good in the playoffs. The lineup is Betts, Turner, Seager... Then Justin Turner, four. Then you have the rookie catcher, Will Smith, five. They used Pujols yesterday in that spot. A.J. Pollock after that. And Chris Taylor. And then obviously the pitcher. Chris Taylor had that big hit in the wild card game. But Chris Taylor is an average hitter. Who he has made an all-star re- team this year. He did. But he was really bad after the first half. He had a terrible second half. Like kind of lost his starting job. A.J. Pollock is hot and cold all the time injury prone too and he's been really in a funk Will Smith is a rookie and he's a catcher listen the top three and four is still really good though Justin well the thing about Will Smith is he's a good offensive catcher but he's got he's not Gary Sanchez bad but like his defense is not that it's cost him a couple times it has it has but in general, I want to make this about the offense. I, I do think without Muncie in this lineup I don't think this is actually a special lineup at all um no, not right. Definitely not right now. It's a lot of, it's a lot of name. 
Yeah. Yeah, because Cody Bellinger, that's a name right now. He's not he's not played ball really all season. No. Yeah, Mookie Betts has had an off season. Um still I mean still one of the better players in probably the MLB, but like yeah, he like we watched him for years as a Red Sox. Like he was never really a playoff performer, to be honest. No. Um he had a pretty good playoff last year. Um but even that twenty eighteen season, like that wasn't a very good playoffs for him. No. 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 Uh, his first home run came in the clinching game almost in garbage time. Uh, and, you know, Trey Turner's good, but uh, Justin Turner is good. But, it, yeah, it really falls off mm. after I'll go Will Smith because Will Smith's a pretty good hitter. Trey Turner also, I mean, I, I know sometimes he's had a, a, a little uptick in his power numbers and stuff, and he is a really good hitter. Um, but if you're, he's batting in the middle of the lineup, don't you feel like Trey is more of a leadoff hitter, anyway? Yeah, but like I, I also do love Mookie Betts at the top of the lineup. Like you know, I know, but I'm just saying you have a guy in the middle of your lineup who I feel like is usually more of a leadoff type guy. D- definitely, it's it, it. I know they have used him as a leadoff hitter mm-hmm. um, since they got him, but like I, I, I you know. I'm, I'm kind of glad I'm not a manager to make that decision. Of like, who do I put first, Mookie or Trey? I kind of just go with maybe who's just hotter yeah. in the moment. Um, Which would be Trey right now. Um, but, uh, like, yeah, even, like, well, if you have, and I this part of it has to do with injuries, um, Max Muncy would be in the middle of the lineup. But if you have, like, a catcher in the middle of the lineup, like, that usually spells trouble. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I like Will Smith as a hitter, but, like, he's not he's not a game-changing hitter by any means. So. No. Um, in this series, even this series, like you say, uh, Atlanta had kind of the offense that could bang with LA. And this series has been about pitching, though. It has. Um, it has. They, both teams have matched each other mostly pitch for just pitch. Timely hitting, um, mm-hmm. which the Braves have done very well. Well, I think the Braves, if you want to talk about timely hitting and situational hitting, I think the Braves blow the Dodgers out of the water, even when you look at their, not even just what they've done now, but I think when you look at the names, they're just better at that. Uh, mayhaps. Yeah, I guess. I mean, what's the thing? Like, it, I don't want to crap on Mookie Betts, make it seem like I'm just a bitter Red Sox fan. He was never just really a playoff performer. I don't know what it was. But I don't want to say he wasn't a clutch hitter because he could definitely be. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is. Maybe I, don't, well, he, I, don't think maybe I don't think he's 100 percent. OK, he's been I mean, he's just been nagged the injuries all season. OK, but um, but even with like the maybe he just doesn't like the cold. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But on the flip side here, the Braves lineup that they pulled out last night, Eddie Rosario, Freddie Freeman, Ozzie Albies, Austin Riley. Austin Riley is a great story because Austin Riley looked like he was a really, really high prospect. Um, when he first came up, he was awesome. Then last year, he was abysmal to the point where I was wondering if he was going to lose his starting job. And all year this year, he's kind of carried them, especially when everyone went down. Or MVP chance all the time in Atlanta when he's up at the plate. He's been fantastic all year. So, And he's the one who got the walk-off. Oh, he got a home run in the series also, and he got the walk-off in Game 1. Then it's Jock Peterson, who's just been on fire. And then Adam Duvall, followed by... Dansby Swanson. And, Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Travis Darno, the catcher. So, I mean, to me, that kind of looks like a better offense than the Dodgers are pulling out there right now. Uh, yeah. Right now, yeah, it probably yeah. is. Yeah. And, so, uh, uh, the Braves aren't just matching them hitting-wise. Without Muncie in the Dodger lineup, I feel like the Braves have the superior offense. So, I really like their chances here going forward. Oh, I really do. Like, yeah, when you... I mean... I always like the chances of a team that won the first two games, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, going into Dodger Stadium, because, uh, like, you know, 
when I saw it was game one in Atlanta, I was like, wait a minute, what? But then I remembered, oh yeah, the Dodgers were a wild card team <laughs> yep, here. Exactly. Um, so that really works out for the Braves. Uh, but at the same time, like, like if you go into Dodger Stadium and you lose all those three games, like I really like the Dodgers going back to Atlanta. Oh yeah, but I don't think they'll lose all three. No, you have. I mean, but like, even if you only win one, I'm like, oh man. I also think the, the other good thing about this is the Braves' offense is built very well to do good at Dodger Stadium. Sometimes a home run hitting dependent team does not do well over there at Chavez Ravine, over there in LA. It it does play a bit big. And it doesn't have the cold of the other stadiums come this time of year, but it does play a little bit big. But the Braves are multi-dimensional offensively, well, so this, I do think that's good for them. This won't be a cold series, L.A. and Atlanta. No, so I know. They don't really have to worry about that. At no, all. not at all. But like, but it does play big, their stadium, L.A.'s. So like I said, sometimes home run independent teams aren't great there. So I do like the Braves' offense uh, for that. All right. I think that we're good from there. So we're going to take another last quick break before we get into the uh, some Bruins talk and then our maybe the quick thing about uh, that Sunday night game and then our weekly retirement report and Darwin Awards. Stick with us, guys. again uh wrapping up the show here just gonna get a just a couple more segments in we're gonna talk about something we don't talk about that often here because it, it just started again something i love though i know you and do. i'm gonna make dom talk about it at some points uh hockey season started and more importantly the bruins had their only one game despite the fact that we're like almost a week into this and uh they're not gonna play again till wednesday uh odd scheduling there but whatever uh, you can analyze one game. Of course you can. We can freak out about that one game. Of course you can. Uh, and you know what? There is some things to say about that game. One, a lot of penalties that game. But, like, that's to be expected. And I guess in a game one, you get some sloppy play. You hope, hopefully you can clean that up. But more importantly, in that sloppy play, I really liked what I saw from the penalty kill. Uh, you know, some of these guys they brought in, like, Forbert, uh but the coach said after the game, for some reason I can't remember his name. I should, I you know, made, I should have. Uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce Cassidy. Why couldn't I remember that off the top of my head? Mm. I'm better than that. I wanted to say Claude Julian, but that's old, old, really old news at this point. Uh, he said after the game, like a guy like Forbert, if you don't see him, that's a good thing. Kind of like a corner in football. If you're not talking about him, that's kind of a good thing. Uh, and I really like what I saw from him. Mm. Uh, and another name I liked to see on the scoreboard, though. Jake DeBrusque had a terrible season last year. Five goals uh, from a guy you are paying a decent amount of money to. On the score sheet to start the season, he had a goal. So we had, you know, this, that question we have for every lingering Bruin season to start every single one is like, is this, is, did the window shut? 
Uh, and after one game, I say Stanley Cup is back on, baby. Uh, Jake, it's like, it's like our uh, Monday overreaction special for yeah, the NFL. Yeah, but just uh, just about the Bruins right now. No, I don't. Um, so I mean, Brad Marchand two goals. Mm-hmm. So they're not too old yet to keep playing. Um, Jeremy Swayman, the the I mean, I think he's technically still a rookie this season. He might have it might have been last season was his full rookie season. I'll have to look that up. Uh, he looked great in net. Who needs Tuka Rask? Uh, who needs David Krejci? Uh, I still miss David Krejci. Who needs Zdeno Chara? I still miss Zdeno Chara. Um, but yeah, I really like what I saw from that game one. Now, the Stars, I don't expect much from the Stars. You played a bad team in the Stars. But you dominated the Stars, especially in that first period, especially in that third period. Um, mm. So I'm very happy. After game one, that's why I wanted to talk about this. Why I wanted to at least mention this in the show. Um, Stanley Cup back on, guys. <laughs> Remember that. One game in, we play Wednesday. We play Philadelphia on Wednesday uh, on the road. They're not good, are they? Philadelphia? Yeah. They were supposed to be good, but, like, it didn't work out. Like, you know. They <laughs> well, were... well, last year you mean they were supposed to be good. Yes. So then now now they're just back to being. And <laughs> the Philadelphia Flyers, whatever. So... <laughs> Uh, when they didn't take that step forward, well, they said, whatever, I guess we're going to take a step back. But you, you aren't worried the Bruins are taking a step back from last year's team? You might. You know, uh, but if you... Or do you think the people they brought in now look like they could be competent hey, replacements? I like... Felino wasn't on the score sheet, but I liked what I saw from Felino. He's a very physical guy. Again, Forbert, he's a defenseman. You don't really expect him to get much on the, for, uh, the stat sheet. But I like what I saw. Charlie McAvoy just inked that new big deal. Uh, I think it was eight years, nine and a half average. Um, he'll be great. He's a year older. It was nice to see Carlo back out there. Um, uh, you know, the old guys, Marshawn, Bergeron, they're still doing okay. Uh, Charlie, the second line looked pretty good with Charlie Coyle in there instead of Krejci. So I, 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 I'm happy. I'm happy. Hmm. I feel good. This team will be good. Okay. Yeah. All right. But all right. Sounds good. You got anything to add? You got any you, anything you saw out there that you want to? It's like, hey, I gotta. Uh, <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. Ah, I got nothing. I I will watch the next one, and I will <gasps> watch. I will watch more Bruins stuff. It's just right now between the playoffs and football. It's been, no, I know. You know what I'm saying? But it, at the same time, like I I literally went into this like thinking about this like you know I'm going to watch more hockey this year so we can talk about it and I can okay. have an opinion but then the Sox have gone deeper in the playoffs than I expected yeah. so yes. it's, it's been tough Yes, but it is that wonderful time of the year where baseball is still going football is in the swing and hockey and basketball are starting we yeah. got them all there's just so many sports stuff it's, it's awesome it really yeah. is alright on to the next one before we get into our two things that we do to end the show always always the sun well Listen, the Seahawks and Steelers. The Seahawks, without Russell Wilson and a horrible defense that they've had all season against a man that should retire already in Big Ben and a bad Steelers O-line, too, and a bad offense in the Steelers, played in a Sunday night game that I'm sure the NFL, when they booked it, thought was going to be a big crowd pleaser at a huge game, but it ended up being the Sunday night show. <gasps> Anybody... Who didn't stay up and watch that game last night? You really missed out on what was a grade A comedy act. The football on display was 
so horrible. It was comedy. It was so funny. We have Big Ben barely able to move and not even a great arm anymore, which used to be his thing. Najee Harris trying to single-handedly will his offense to victory. 24 carries, a bunch of other catches too. I think he had a touchdown reception. Najee Harris trying to do it all. I don't even think Juju played. Juju's hurt. Big Ben's terrible. Yeah. No, he's up. And then Juju's up for the season. Despite everything the Seahawks did and everything the Steelers couldn't do to win a game that should have been easy, my guy, the man, the myth, the legend, Geno Smith, decided to show everyone why he's Geno Smith and handed the Pittsburgh Steelers the W, a muchly <laughs> unearned W with a horrendous horrendous fumble at the end of the game in overtime when it looked like Pittsburgh had absolutely no chance of driving down the field and getting a score either. So that was a great game. Just absolutely wonderful. Uh, Both teams, by the way, averaged under five yards a play. Um, Big Ben averaged seven yards a pass, uh, which mostly came on one big screen to Najee Harris, who took it 35 yards, I think it was, or 40 yards or something. So his seven... Point six yards of play is even less than that on his passes. He was 29 of 40 for 229. Oh, man. Wow. Guys, the without Wills, even without Russell Wilson, before we even take that into consideration, the Seattle Seahawks were the worst total defense in the NFL. They'd given up the most total yards. They'd given up the most passing yards, and they were in the top four or five, I believe, for most rushing yards allowed. This defense is horrible. And yet Pittsburgh needed overtime and scored 23 points against it. While they had Geno Smith, a backup quarterback, Seattle literally did nothing for the first half of the game offensively, just punt after punt. And yet Pittsburgh could barely muster anything on offense. This game was brutal. And oh my gosh, if you're a Steelers fan, I mean, you just got to hope you get Aaron Rodgers at this point. Because I mean, put a put a cross through this season. This this is a lost season you for the Steelers. You don't think they're gonna use Dwayne? <laughs> Maybe win some games with Dwayne Haskins. Uh, actually, I, actually, I do want to get into that. They won't. Well. They won't do it. But if I was Pittsburgh, I would halfway through this season bench Big Ben and put Dwayne Haskins in just just so you can see what you have. Is there any potential that Dwayne Haskins could fulfill his potential and be the guy? One of them. What would you call them? Oh, um, reclamation project quarterbacks. Yeah, one of them. He could. Um, he could. I, I. I. Listen. I truly believe. I truly believe that Pittsburgh. If the Steelers want to do what is the best thing for this uh, franchise moving forward, you need to big. You need to bench Big Ben. Mm. Now, I'm not saying you do it while you're three and three and still technically have a chance in the division, but like. Come on, Steelers fans. You have no <laughs> chance. Shut up. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear that, like, I mean, I think they're probably tied with the Browns right now, but, like, the Browns lost to Arizona, uh, the Chargers, and the Chiefs. Yeah, but have they- you barely beat the worst defense in the NFL on their backup quarterback, who is Geno Smith, at home. They haven't played yet, right? Browns and Steelers. Yeah. So, like, the Browns will kill them. Yeah. So, like, they'll pull away Listen, in their matchups. You know, I, I, thank you. How about this, Pittsburgh fans? How about that? I will, I will, I will give you the olive branch here. We're not benching Big Ben yet. 
let's wait till that game against Cleveland. Okay? When Cleveland stomps you out, you can finally admit that your season is lost. And then what this franchise needs to do, put in Dwayne Haskins and see if you have anything here. And if you don't, then you think about drafting a quarterback or, uh, you know, writing a blank check to Aaron Rodgers. Right? Aaron, Aaron's a free agent after this year, right? I think so. Yes. Yeah, right? oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, just, just fill out that Rooney, get that checkbook out. Just just write Aaron's name, okay? And don't fill in anything else. And just give it to Aaron and, and see what he wants to do. I don't even like Aaron Rodgers, but, like, <laughs> the Steelers team is... I mean, the old line is a work in progress, but you have a very talented running back. I, you have multiple weapons in the wide receiver game, and their defense is really, really good. The The front seven is really good, and you got a playmaker in the secondary in Fitzpatrick. Minka. So um, there's so many pieces here for Pittsburgh. So, yeah. But if you want to do the best thing for this franchise moving forward, bench Big Ben, go with Dwayne Haskins, see what he has. Mm. Jesse, you have anything to add to this? Well, yeah, I want to... So we were when we were uh, planning the show, we were watching that game. That was great, yo. When you were, you almost fell off the couch. You were rolling, <laughs> laughing at Geno Smith. Oh, Geno's terrible. Um, when he, well, cause like every when they had the ball, it was just every couple minutes. I'd just be Geno, just a little louder every time, and then you'd laugh a little harder every time, and then the, the fumble happened. Well, first that sack happened, um, and like you know, I was like, what the hell. And then you were laughing. And then the fumble happened. And that's when you almost fell off the couch and you were rolling. <laughs> because that was the only way Pittsburgh was going to win the game. You yeah. Even, before that, literally the play right before that, you said, are we going to go through our overtime and there's not even going to be a field goal attempt? Yeah, and I was sad but, there was one. And then Gino fumbled. <laughs> then I really yelled at Gino. <laughs> and it wasn't even like he was trying to run away from pressure and he was like running up the field. But it wasn't like it's totally on Gino. Protect the football. It wasn't like yeah. he got hit at a perfect spot. It's not like the guy, you know, like sometimes those I mean, guys have the perfect leverage. They wrap around your shoulder and they have that, you know, fist and just yeah, no, whack, I mean, punch well, the ball. No, he just got tackled from behind well, and stripped. No, he didn't. He, did, he put his hand. He, I, think, he went, I don't think he was going for. I think he was I, just trying to make nah, the tackle. TJ Watt's always going for ball. Uh, I think he was just trying to make a tackle from. Either way, Gino, what are you doing, bro? I mean, protect the football. I mean, it doesn't look like Pittsburgh's even going to get a field goal off. I mean, listen, if you're the Seahawks, if you get a tie in that game, that is a W, basically. I was rooting for a tie. <laughs> I know. And I hate ties. That was just, uh, wow. And those are two teams that just draw a line through their season. Seattle, I'll probably talk about Seattle at some point more uh, on a show because I have a lot of strong opinions about them. I feel like the game is passing Pete Carroll by, and I think we're going to see it on full display when Russell Wilson isn't here to save them. But luckily, they faced another failing franchise right now. Pittsburgh, put in Dwayne Haskins in a couple of weeks. See what you got there. All right. From that, we are getting ready to end this right now. Um, weekly Tommy report real quick here. Jesse. Right. Real go. quick. All right. Tom Brady. He played the Eagles. Uh, last time he played the Eagles, he took an L. Uh, this time, he won. 28-22. Game was actually kind of surprisingly close. Tom Brady... Through 42 times, 34 for 42, just under 300 yards, 297 uh, yards, through two more touchdown passes. He did have an interception, though. Tom Brady gets the win against Philadelphia, and that has basically been 
your weekly Tommy update. Not a very interesting week for Tommy. No. Oh, we had that crypto commercial. We made that crypto commercial. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, where he teased Patriots fans about a trade. <laughs> yes. Um, Tom Brady into crypto. Yes. All right. With his wife. So, to finish this up, guys, Darwin Award, let's go. Drum roll, please, Jesse. This week's Darwin Award is John Gruden. Oh, Johnny. Uh, oh, Johnny. I mean, he kind of, you know, I mean, that was kind of a last week thing, but listen, John's resigning came right before we really did the show and we were planning the show. Plus, let's be honest, we just all wanted to rag on the Yankees because it's always fun to rag on the Yankees. Mm. But John Gruden, once we read more into the story and get more from it, totally deserves this Darwin Award. And, you know, we would have to be very serious about this at first. Now I, I want to get the funny side of this. You put this all in writing in an yeah. email on your work email. What an idiot. Yeah. What an idiot. Yeah. What an idiot. For eight years. And, like, you <laughs> when know. When give somebody a book of just dirt on you. You, in like, <laughs> you know, you don't expect these things to come out. But, like, I don't know. I... Who am I? But don't do it on but, your work email. Well, no, like, this is like, who am I? And I won't even, like, text <laughs> terrible things to people. Oh, like, like, I won't even put, like, anything that would incriminate me in anything. I don't even care. Like, it won't, I will not write it down. Yeah, but in a personal text and stuff like that, at least to, like, a friend. Is di- but I won't l- even do that. I don't that. even care if Bruce Allen is his friend. You're doing this through your work. It's like, to Bruce's, like, work stuff. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're a complete idiot. Out of touch. <laughs> yeah, but it's more than out of touch. Listen, we know he's out of touch with the comments, but just like doing that in your email to your work well, guys, you know, this is so stupid. He's out of touch with that too. He doesn't get it. He's like, this email will just go to him and so not dumb. exist. He thinks yeah. it's Snapchat. Oh my God. Like you got caught into something that wasn't even about you because you were dumb enough to put this in the work stuff. By the way, I feel like Washington's probably going to win another Darwin Award here at some point when more of this stuff comes out on this investigation. But Did you, the NFL said they found no incriminating stuff about, like, anybody else. Really? Bull. Come on. Yeah. I, I find that hard. No, they are 100% protecting Dan people. Snyder. Like, the, it, like the, the, the really important, the really rich people. Yes. Dan Snyder. No, like, it's so obvious. We'll the, probably get into that here at, at another and, show. But and it's kind of like, well... I can't say it. We're like, F you, NFL. Like, no, I know. I, we know you're lying. Yeah, okay, I get you. All right, but John Gruden, Darwin Award winner. Idiot. Put it all in your work. <laughs> idiot. <laughs> idiot. You're a real idiot for this one. Your work email and writing is stupid. All right. That has been it, guys, for this week of Slow Your Roll. We'll be back again on Monday at our usual thing to do this again. I always like when we do this on the Mondays, but thank you very much, guys. As mm-hmm. I said, slowyourroll.com. Uh, for any, uh, uh, if you want to visit the website, go in the past episodes other than your podcast app. And then follow us on Instagram as well at Slow Your Roll for clips, uh, betting picks, and anything else that we decide to share. Thank you very much, guys, and have a good rest of your week. Go Sox. Yeah. Yeah.